Hello there, Filthy Henry fans. We'd like to wish you a happy Halloween. And if you're in the mood for some frightening fun, why not check out our Halloween story, The Day of the Living Veg, a Filthy Henry case file. And while we have you, we could just ask you a favour. It would mean a lot to us if you could rate the podcast. Or leave a review on your platform of choice and let us know how we're doing. That would be just awesome. And finally, you might know someone who might listen to the podcast. Why not share the link to the show? Now, enough of this blathering. On with the episode. Filthy Henry, Accidental Legend, Chapter 24 Cahill had never professed to be a genius at maths. In school, a lot of the lessons always seemed to involve angles and trains leaving stations at different times on the world's worst designed railway system. A railway network which required some mathematics whiz kid to quickly figure out where the derailment would occur. The numbers and equations had all become irrelevant once Cahill figured out that the only maths you really needed every day involved addition and subtraction. If you had 10 euro and a pint of the good stuff cost 6 euro, then how many glasses would a person need to wash in order to buy a second drink? But, as the bad guys slowly approached, Cahill was finding a completely new use for counting. He was adding up how many men were coming towards him, and was slightly surprised that the number was greater than one. They're cheating! Cahill shouted back towards the forest. They're cheating! He looked over at the trees and was surprised to see nobody standing there supporting him in a morale fashion. Technically they aren't, Filthy Henry shouted back from some hidden vantage point. So long as only one of them hits you or tries to at a time, then you're in single combat. It's just single combat with seven men lined up. Cahill quickly looked around the trees for any sign of the fairy detective. Well that doesn't exactly instill me with confidence, he said. I mean, how are we going to trick seven men into running after me into the forest? Don't worry about that bit, Cahill, Shelley shouted. Just stay focused on not getting killed and you'll be fine. He hefted the silver hurley and took a two-handed grip on the long slender handle. This really was the moment that everything changed for him. Cahill could feel it. Whatever happened today, good or bad, would show the world that Cahill Ulysses Cullen was a legend in his own right. A legend who had knees which were shaking and an overpowering desire to urinate. The removal of his pants before the latter took place was optional, time permitting. At the rear of the field, by the pale moonlight, Cahill could make out the figure of Maeve as she stood and watched her men go forward. She held her hand up and threw something at the ground. There was a sudden flash of green light that spread out like fire, moving to the left and right. It raced along the grass quickly in both directions, leaving behind a thin and bright line of light in its wake. When the light reached the tree line it turned, each stream heading towards Cahill. They both shot by and went past the little hill he was standing on, turning after a moment and moving inwards, 
When they crashed into each other, it sent a pulse of light out that caused the green lines to glow pleasantly in the night. Cahill decided that tonight, of all nights, was not the night to start being amazed at all the madness and magic going on. He steadied his nerves with some deep, calming breaths and faced the approaching men. Something in the back of his mind told him that a speech was called for. Words that would be remembered throughout the ages. You lot just stop right there, he shouted. Cahill knew as soon as the words were out of his mouth that he could have done better. Come up with words much more memorable. The line of men stopped walking and started laughing. A particularly short man, the one Cahill and Filthy Henry had spoken with before, stepped forward. Look, he said, this is nothing personal, got it? All you had to do was not show up here, nobody would have tried to kill you. But apparently we had to tell you tonight was the night, or it would have been counted as cheating. Now we have to kill you, but I feel kind of bad about it, okay? Cahill shook his head and tried to put on his best brave face. He hoped that the potion had started working. Well, I challenged you to single combat, he said. So send forward your best man and the rest can go back and fight me tomorrow. The short man looked around the field and back to Cahill. See, here's the thing about that. We're all going to fight you in single combat. Tonight. So if you want to drop down to the ground now, I'll make it nice and quick. I even cleaned my blade all pretty for the occasion. Cahill swallowed and regretted the act instantly because something about the movement in his throat sent a signal to his bladder. A bladder which decided it needed to empty everything at that precise moment, foregoing the option of pants removal. Shelley had to shield her eyes as the bright green light marked out the border of the field. When she lowered her hand again, it looked like Cahill was talking with one of Maeve's men. A fairly short man at that. What was that spell? Drew asked Filthy Henry. I mean, even I could see the green light. Looked like a charm of some description, but buggered if I know what it's meant to do, the fairy detective said. He picked up a small stone at his feet and closed his hand around it. Erash gyar. Bringing his arm above his head, Filthy Henry threw the stone out into the field. It sailed over the little green line that pulsed at the edge of the trees then curved back and started to return towards them. Right as the stone was about to cross over the magical light, there was a spark of power which knocked it out of the air. It dropped to the ground and rolled along the grass, still on the other side of the green line. Ah, crap, Filthy Henry said. She's blocked Cahill from leaving the field, hasn't she? Shelley said, deciding that some things were more important than remaining quiet. The fairy detective slowly nodded. Sure he'll be grand, Drew said, pointing at the cup by the fire. He drank the magical potion before going out, so he doesn't get to run into the forest and set off all our big traps. So what? Both Filthy Henry and Shelley looked at the druid. Shelley wondered how the man had ever started to work in the magical trade to begin with, since he definitely was not the most intelligent of people. That potion, Shelley said, making air quotes with her fingers as she spoke, was a pile of horse crap. Filthy Henry does that sort of thing all the time. Cahill was nervous and suddenly there was a magical potion that gives him speed and strength. He literally drank a weak tea made from leaves found on the ground. No, Drew said, shaking his head. Sure Filthy knew what he wanted to brew it from. Dragon leaf and stuff. You could almost see the mental puzzle pieces fall into place. Oh, you idiot, 
You're more gullible than that Muppet out there, Filthy Henry said. The fairy detective started to pace back and forth, banging his head with his hands. It was a stunt Shelley had seen him do numerous times before, as if Filthy Henry thought he could somehow smash a brilliant plan out of his brain by repeatedly hitting his skull. She turned and looked back at the field. The new arrivals had all lined up in a neat, orderly queue. A queue that was slowly advancing on Cahill once again, with swords at the ready. Cahill swung the silver hurdy stick a few times in the air, then turned and started to run straight towards the forest. When he was only an inch away from the tree line, there was a flash of light, and Cahill was lifted off his feet. He flew backwards and landed on the ground, slamming his back hard. Oh God, he said, groaning. What's going on? Shelley looked over at Filthy Henry, who was still busy thumping his head, and decided not to interrupt that particular brainstorming process. In fact, she was really trying to suppress the desire to go over and start hitting him in the head herself. In a supportive manner, of course. Turns out Maeve was able to do some magic and you're sort of stuck in the field, she called to Cahill. Cahill scrambled back to his feet, picked up the hurdy stick and ran at the forest again. The barrier kept him out, this time not knocking him over. He slammed the head of the hurdy stick against the invisible wall a couple of times. There's a bunch of guys here with swords coming at me. What's the plan? Filthy? Shelley asked. The fairy detective stopped pacing, pressed his fists against his temples and shrugged. Well, that's helpful, Drew said. I think you're going to have to fill in here, Shelley. The great ginger one has clearly lost it. Shelley rubbed her forehead and tried to think of a plan. Cahill had nothing going for him at that moment, aside from a magical hurdy stick that would only work for his baby brother. Even worse, Cahill was stuck in the field until they figured out how to get rid of the magical barrier. As the men came closer, Shelley decided to go with the only plan she could come up with, even though it was horrifically bad. Cahill, run for your life, she said. He did not wait to be told twice. With the silver hurdy stick in his right hand, Cahill started to run down the field away from the line of combatants. Shelley turned around and walked over to Filthy Henry. I've got nothing. Absolutely nothing. Seriously, this was not part of the plan. I wasted enough magic with the screen to hide us. I can't even try and take down a one-way barrier. I've a few fireballs in me, maybe. But then we'd be breaking the rules. Shelley slapped the fairy detective across the face so hard, her hand stung afterwards. A very painful yet oddly satisfying sting. Filthy Henry's head wobbled a little and his eyes lost focus which only made the whole thing even more enjoyable for Shelley. You fought vampires, taken on gods and changed reality. All while nobody liked you and you acted like a jerk to the world. Now think, damn it, she demanded. Filthy Henry blinked a couple of times, then suddenly smiled. Dagda above. I think I've got it. I've actually got it. Before Shelley could ask him what he had just come up with, the fairy detective ran away, back into the forest. Drew the Druid came over and watched Filthy Henry as he disappeared into the darkness. Uh, so do we just wait here? Drew asked. The world rarely provided something as entertaining as an idiot male trying to escape his bloody death. It was like watching a cornered mouse try to outrun several cats. In the end, everybody knew that the mouse was going to be turned into a very little corpse and the cats would move on to their next game.
The only creature that seemed to think the outcome might be any different was the mouse, which just went to show the limited intelligence such creatures had. A smart animal, regardless of species, would have accepted that their fate was doomed from the start. They would have hastened their impending demise, rather than make it long and traumatic, and ran forward to embrace their death sooner. Cahill, it appeared, was not unlike a mouse. He had slowly worked his way down one end of the field, bouncing off the invisible wall which ensured he could not slip away into the forest, and was now working on the bottom barrier. Behind him, approaching like a multi-armed, weapon-wielding attack dog, came Maeve's men. They had not started to run, or even walk quickly for that matter. Each one knew that their prey was doing nothing productive, and in reality, Cahill was only tiring himself out. They were a line of cats marching towards certain entertainment. Maeve watched Cahill as he started to run along the end of the field nearest her viewing area. Instead of randomly bouncing off the barrier, he had changed tact. With the silver hurley stick of his ancestor held out against the magical wall, the would-be champion was running in a straight line. The queen guessed Cahill was doing a sweeping pass to see if the stick found any holes. You should just roll over and die already, Maeve called when he ran past her. Waves of green light shimmering in the air for a second as he went. He ignored this sound advice and continued his vain search. A few minutes later the line of men came walking past. Do you want us to speed this up at all, my lady? Nall asked the queen. Maeve shook her head once and smiled. Well, there's no need. The crone assures me her containment spell will work for hours yet. Let Cahill tire himself out, then bludgeon him to death for wasting our time. Enjoy yourselves. Noel gave a curt nod of his head, and the men kept on walking. Maeve could already feel her smile starting to return. After maths, science had been the subject most hated by Cahill in school. There tended to be a lot of formulas to learn, and all the Greek letters made it hard to keep track of things. After all, they had spent the best part of twelve years learning one alphabet, only to need a second one for a different subject. Not to mention all the stuff that made no sense in maths carried over into science for good measure, as if teenagers didn't have enough going on in their lives. One thing Cahill did not recall being taught in class, though, was how air could burn. Painfully so. Of course, air could have a temperature. It could be cold and refreshing in the winter, or hot as hell during the summer. But these were always externally sampled temperatures of air. Never when it was inhaled did it burn. Right then, as he panted so hard it felt like exercising in its own right, Cahill could feel the air in his lungs burning, white hot. He had never took in so much oxygen in such a short space of time before, and in the brief moment of reflection he allowed himself while running for his life. It was not an enjoyable experience. Worse still was the sensation that his lungs were about to stop working completely, more than likely in protest at being made to work so much. If anything, Cottle was fairly sure that his lungs had formed a workers' union with his legs, which had started to hurt and feel a little wobbly. His entire body felt like it was about to go on strike. Whatever Filthy Henry's magical potion was meant to do, it clearly was not. He could feel no extra burst of speed coming from his legs, and the longer he held the hurley stick up in the air, the heavier it felt. Cottle figured he would not dwell on it too much, considering he had more pressing matters on his mind such as the minor one of staying alive. The splash of green light continued to appear in the air, 
as Cahill ran with the hurley stick outstretched. He had nearly reached the second corner of the field, the bottom one in relation to the hill, and no sign of an exit had shown itself. With a glance backwards he saw his pursuers slowly walking towards him. They were probably forty feet away, but closing that gap with ease. Cahill stopped for a moment and tried to catch his breath. He bent over, rested the hurley stick across his knees, and took in huge gasps of air. Each one felt like a ball of fire was being inhaled. With a nervous eye on the men with swords, Cahill straightened up as best he could and stumbled into another run along the invisible wall. The fairy detective shouldered the front door open and ran into the house, bouncing off the wall at the end of the hallway and falling through the doorway into the living room. His stunt was met with a disapproving glare from Mammy Cullen and a startled look from Alice. The baby let out a squeal of delight, but Filthy Henry doubted it was due to anything he had done, and most likely was down to a smelly nappy being produced. He rested against the back of the sofa and caught his breath. Is that any way to come into a house? Mammy Cullen said. I don't know, Filthy Henry said, breathing hard after his run. I have an apartment. Alice, I need you to come with me. The girl didn't respond. It was one of those moments when Filthy Henry had to think and figure out what could be the problem. Something he rarely managed to do successfully when it came to the fairer sex. After all, Shelley was annoyed at him for bringing her back from the dead. Most people would have been grateful that their friend could pull off such a feat. Not give said wondrous friend the silent treatment in lieu of thanks. Alice, on the other hand, could be an easier puzzle to solve. He walked over and sat on the arm of the sofa, looking across at the girl. Look, he said, trying to make his tone as warm and friendly as could be. Nobody blames you for being a bit crazy earlier. There are things going on here that would make even the most sane of people go a bit doolally. Mammy Cullen tutted under her breath. Sure, go ahead. Try some more lines on her, why don't you? Filthy Henry ignored her. But, and this is the important bit, we really need your help out there. Alice looked up and met his stare. For what? Well, let's just say Cahill needs a little encouragement to save the day. So if you really thought about it, you're actually one of the most important people in the world right now. I seem to be saying that a lot these days. Plus, I think deep down that you might be mightily impressed by Mr. Cullen when you see him save the day. Alice looked over at Mammy Cullen. It's more than was said to me before I got married, she said. You might as well go and see what he needs you to do. Just remember to give him a quick kick in the groin if he tries anything you don't like. From the car seat, the baby let out a gurgle, as if agreeing with the adults. The fairy detective stood up and looked down at the child. Also, you're going to have to bring the kid along, he said to Mammy Cullen. Filthy Henry, Accidental Legend is a novel by Derek Power. More Filthy Henry novels are available to buy on Amazon Kindle. Narration and music by Niall Milton. To keep up to date with episodes this season, why not subscribe or like or share? We'd really appreciate it. <laughs>